Perfect. Okay, well, welcome to the Library is Open podcast. My name is Jesse Zaro, and we have with us Nate Carula. Hello. And we have our special guest today, Michael, from uh, Do Space Library in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome, Michael. Yay, good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, so, Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, boy. Okay, so um, got my MLS uh, back at the University of Albany in 1995, so I've been doing this for, for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, spent two years in Las Vegas kind of running my own uh, internet consulting firm, which in 1995 is kind of answering the question, what's the internet? Um, <clears throat> then spent uh, about 10 years in the Denver area working for one of the former OCLC regional uh, library networks okay. as their internet trainer. So for about a decade, I traveled a lot, hence my blog, The Traveling Librarian. Yeah. Um, then kind of at the end of that, after 10 years of wanting to actually have a life instead of traveling so much, uh, moved uh, out here to Nebraska and started doing basically the same job, of, uh, mostly a trainer position for the Nebraska Library Commission. So traveled okay. around the state of Nebraska, worked on projects, things like that. And then two and a half years ago, uh, someone I knew here in uh, the, I live in Lincoln, but in Omaha, it was uh, who is now our executive director, Rebecca Stavik, was heading up this project to create something called Do Space. And uh, I, I couldn't help but be intrigued. It's a completely unique project, and we can get into those details in a little bit. But I was brought in as the director of technology for the project. Okay. And so the way I like to put it is I spent the better part of two decades telling everybody else how they should run technology in their libraries. And I figured I decided to put my money where my mouth was and try to run a place that's never existed before and run all that technology. And for the past two and a half years, I've been doing that. And as I like to put it, I'm not bored. <laughs> that's awesome. awesome. Can, can you tell us a little bit more about Do Space and you know, a little bit more of what your role is there? And, and things sure. Like that? So we like to define or say uh, Do Space is a community technology center. Um, we don't shy away from the word library. Uh, three out of the four of us on the management team are all degreed librarians. So, uh, but when you say library, people picture something that is not what we are. Uh, so we like to use that community technology space or center uh, to be used. Uh, we're a completely privately funded nonprofit. Uh, we are open 90 hours a week in a former Borders bookstore, so uh, insert that irony here. Um, <laughs> and instead of being full of books, we're full of technology. We have over, uh, we have 56 public access desktops uh, split between Macs and PCs. We have laptops, tablets uh, that can be checked out. Now, when I do say checked out, I want to stress that everything's checked out in the building. Nothing actually uh, leaves the building. Uh, we have a 3D lab with uh, hobbyist to industrial level 3D printers, laser cutter, final cutter, uh, new equipment uh, coming in the new year. Uh, we have what we call the active learning lab, which is where people can kind of hang out and use uh, things we call tech kits, which I'll get back to in a second. Uh, we also have a 110-inch uh, video game screen with some Xbox Ones and, and some PS4 hooked up to that. We have a Littles Lab, which is kind of for the toddler set. So again, there's some of these tech kits. Uh, we have a 55-inch touchscreen PC mounted at toddler height on the wall, so they can just walk up to it and start using it. Um, so that's kind of the, um, you know, what you see when you walk in. We also have meeting space that, that people can book and use. Um, but then the, the tech kits that I mentioned briefly are... Um, Little uh, kits is, is literally the best word from uh, Dash and Dot to Cubelet Robots to Raspberry Pis and Google Cardboard VR that, again, people can check out in the space, play with, 
learn about new technology, uh, teach themselves some coding with these things. Uh, one of the most popular ones is called a Coda Pillar, which is a little USB yes. device that, that kids can plug in and depending on how you piece it together, it moves differently. So you're learning some basic coding uh, just by playing with that. Um, <clears throat> and so then my job is basically to keep all of this running. Um, and to fix problems when we have them or to call whoever our support people are for that uh, and then run the floor, so the day-to-day -day operations of the building. Uh, I do want to stress, so there's our executive director that I report to, uh, my co-director, Jessica Johnson. She's responsible for the all the education and events side of things. So on top of everything I've talked about, we also have programs and events and learning opportunities going on throughout the week. And uh, Jessica is completely in charge of that end of things. So if you divided due space between access and education, I'm the access side of things. Jessica's the education side of things. Cool. Dude, I have so many questions. Like, who who came up with the idea? So the original idea goes back to uh, the former director of Omaha Public Library. Uh, okay. Gary Wasden kind of came up with this idea, or more came up with a question as to what would happen to a community if you offered this level of technology for free to anybody who wants to walk in the door. Mm -hmm. uh, he then paired up with a philanthropic organization in Omaha called Heritage Services. Uh, they fund projects for museums and redevelopment of land and all these things. They've been around for decades. And so uh, they did all of the fundraising to put this project together and get the original uh, director hired. And then she hired all the staff. And that was a multi-year project just to kind of put it all together. And then we opened back on November 7th of 2015. So we just celebrated our second anniversary. Nice. And what about funding? So the original funding for the project gave us a four-year operational budget. Oh, nice. So at the moment, we don't have to actively day-to-day -day fundraise. That okay. being said, we're two years through that period. So yeah. we, we have to figure out how to become self-funding in the next two years. And that's basically our executive director's job is, is to figure that part of it out. Um, so we've got lots of plans, lots of ideas. Things are still getting worked out on that. But the two things I would say is, one, um, that uh, to my knowledge anyways, any heritage service project that has um, been launched has not failed to then fund itself eventually. Mm -hmm. And the second part of that is because what we're doing is we're proving to the community that this is something the community needs. Yeah. You know, for 500 people a day in the building on average. Wow. Uh, we're just, we're busy all the time. And so if we can prove that we're needed on a certain level, it'll take a lot of work, but the funding will happen. So yeah. um, I also like to say I, I left very stable state employment to take this job. And if I didn't think that it wouldn't last past four years, I, I wouldn't have taken the job. 500 a day. That's, that's something to be proud of. Yeah, that's, that's our average. Um, kind of a low day is, is, 350, 400, uh, a really high day is eight, 900, kind of depending on what's going on in the building. So, uh, in, and we run it with 21 staff and a lot of uh, volunteers. So how, how large is the actual space? Uh, each floor is 12,000 square feet. And uh, we, we own the building. Uh, the first floor is completely us. Uh, that does include a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> and uh, so, because you need your sugar and caffeine to make all this work. Um, and then the second floor is actually leased out by Metro Community College, the local community college. And they run their own programs and events and um, uh, continuing education up there on the second floor. Excellent. Can you speak a little bit more about that partnership with Metro Community College and 
you know, what role do space plays in that? Um, it is, it is basically a, a partnership. Um, like I said, they, they kind of run their own programs up there. We do use their space. They have a kind of a larger meeting space. So if we're holding a larger event, we negotiate with them and, and we use that space. Kind of the idea is that do space. The first floor is we can help you get started. Um, yes, we do do some educational programs. We have what's called the mentorship program. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have volunteers that help out. But if you're really looking to sit down and say, okay, I now want to take a six-week course on how to use Microsoft Office, then we're like, hey, Metro Community College is upstairs. It's continuing education. It's, it's really affordable, you know, on, on the scale of higher ed. Um, and so they do that. They also have a testing center up there. So if anybody comes in and is like, hey, I got to take a test that needs to be proctored or something like that, we can also send them up to, to Metro. So we work together on some uh, kind of larger scale projects, but kind of the day-to-day -day operations are a bit separated of the two. Cool. I saw also that you have a mentorship program at DoSpace. Can patrons like set up one-on-one -on -one sessions or how is it organized? Tell us a little right. bit about that. So as I mentioned, uh, we have a, a very large volunteer core. It's, it's about 120 people right now uh, in an average month. And a lot of those are kind of in that mentorship program. So when you come into DoSpace, um, you know, we, we do have staff on the floor to help you out, but we're not Geek Squad. We're not, you know, we're not the, the Apple geniuses, things like that. Um, we can answer a lot of quick questions. We're, we're a little more ready reference than, than research uh, reference in, in that uh, scale. But um, then we have a couple of different ways that if people need more help, they're available. Um, and the mentorship's kind of the end of the three. So the first one is just, I've got a question. I can't figure out how to do this. Can you help me out? Sure, no problem. Uh, then we have two events during the week. One is called Cyber Seniors, which is Wednesday mornings from nine to noon. And that's seniors helping seniors with technology. I mean, we've had people bring in full desktops. Um, I love it. Whatever they want help with, we'll do it. Those, those folks are amazing. That program practically runs itself. And I joke that if we burn the building down, they'd meet in the parking lot. Um, that's our single most popular program. Uh, then we have this kind of a similar thing on Tuesday evenings, which is just Tech Help Tuesday. And that's pretty much any age. Again, volunteers running it. People can come in. If you really do need that one-on-one -on -one sit down with somebody, that's where the mentor program comes in. Uh, you fill out a form on our website. We, uh, you tell us what you're interested in getting some assistance with. Uh, our volunteer coordinator will then find a volunteer to match you up with, find a time that's good for everybody, and then we'll give you a free one-on-one -on -one session with that person. Um, it's usually about a two-week turnaround from request to set up. So if you need help today, that's probably not going to help you out all that much. Um, and then we do... There's some guidelines within that mentorship work. They're not going to do it for you. <laughs> they're, they're not going to teach you how to make a million dollars with your idea. Um, and uh, it's kind of a one meeting per topic. Again, it's, it's do space. It's not we'll do it for you space. So, you know, we're, we're there to assist you in doing what you want to do, not to do it for you. That's great. Um, so you all use Koha. Mm -hmm. Awesome. <laughs> uh, just wondering, you know, what kind of circumstances or challenges uh, Koha has helped to overcome, if any, uh, you know, at, at the space. So um, we, we have stuff we check out, like I said, just in the building, but we needed a basic circulation system and I was familiar with Koha. And to be honest, from, from the average Koha user, I would assume we're 
barely using like a part a part of it. Uh, I mean, I do the, I'm not a cataloger and I do the cataloging and we create the most minimal records possible. And I love the fact that if I left out a field, Koha will just say, Hey, I can fill that in for you. It's required. And I'm like, okay, click. Um, and then, you know, we do basic circulation. So check in and check out within the building, that sort of thing. It's also our membership database. So, you know, we have cards just like everybody else. In fact, I, I just happen to have one here right in front of me, you know, so, so, so we have our little cards with our barcode on it and everything on the back. And, so we use that in Koha. I mean, really, the benefits for me to Koha was uh, it's, it's free, although we do use Bywater su for support, and your support has been completely amazing. Anything I've, I've needed done, you guys have helped me out uh, very quickly with that. Um, and it doesn't kind of, it, it's got lots of other features, but those features don't get in our way, even though we're not using them. So it's just, you know, kind of, we get in, we get it done, and it works, and it does exactly what we needed to do. Cool. Tell us a little bit, like, how did you customize your OPAC to make it tie in with, like, your theme at DoSpace? Uh, that was purely Nicole. <laughs> Nicole awesome. Engard was actually a friend of mine before we started using Koha and, and still is. Um, to be honest, other than the signing up for memberships, almost nobody actually sees Koha other than staff. Yeah. I have an online catalog, but since we don't do holds, we don't check things out of the building. Um, you know, it's not like it's due in three days and you want to see what you have checked right. out, anything like that. So it, it, we did basically, there was some customization of the colors. We got our logo put in there, but it was, it was pretty minimal. Um, and in fact, we've since redesigned our website, but since we kept all the same colors and everything, we, we basically just left Koha alone. Um, and so as much as there is a public facing end of Koha for our organization, I doubt more than a couple dozen people have actually ever looked at it. <laughs> it's cool. I mean, the, the good thing is that you're not paying for the extra features that you're not using. Right. Right. That's the beauty. Um, mm -hmm. Excellent. Uh, so I know you're, you're, you're only two years into this, but have you thought of future um, plans to expand on this project? Uh, you know, different locations in different cities. Um, you know, can you, can you speak to that a little? So um, everybody has had lots of ideas and we've gotten lots of suggestions. And at this point we're focused on the one location and then stabilizing that kind of long-term funding and, and, and how that runs. Maybe in the end that involves partnering with an organization, maybe in the end that involves some expansion. But at this point, um, it's just kind of too early to, to seriously speculate on that. And uh, we just want to focus on proving the need of what we have here in one place. Although, you know, people have said you should open another one in, you know, North Omaha or South or, or wherever. Uh, at the moment, we're pretty much centrally located as far as population and traffic flow is too. So that's, that's helping. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a wait and see. We'll see what happens. I actually live in Lincoln, Nebraska, so I commute 50 miles a day to work. I would love to open one down the street from me. Um, but you know, that's not exactly high on the list at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Now for some fun questions. Uh, okay. Michael, what, um, you said you traveled a lot. Yep. Um, what's the most unique library you've ever been to or one of your favorites? Uh, so back in 2007, so yeah, almost two years ago, uh, I actually took my honeymoon out to the Netherlands and, uh, Amsterdam and whatnot, and, uh, got to see the library in Delft. 
I, I had previously met at conferences, some of the guys that worked out there. Sadly, they were all out of town when I was in town, so we didn't get to meet up. Oh, man. But uh, that, that was quite impressive. And, and my wife's a librarian, too, so actually that was actually part of the reason we chose that trip for <laughs> Moon to be completely library geek uh, on that. Um, uh, more locally, uh, Salt Lake City. Uh, I was there just after they opened their new one. Now, this is almost 15, 20 years ago now. Uh, post the Olympics, that was always a, a pretty impressive library to me. And um, I got to say Seattle also. I've, I've been to the Seattle Public Library. And that's, again, just it's just the difference of it is what makes it pretty spectacular. Awesome. Are you reading anything good now? Um, yeah, you can't tell. I'm actually in my home office and off to both sides are just bookshelves full of, I've, I've got a home <laughs> library. Um, just what, what am I reading now? Actually, I just picked up, uh, yesterday and I was going to, I'm going to crack it open this afternoon, a uh, book by the guy who developed the 3d printed gun. <laughs> and, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty confident that my politics and his politics are not going to line up. Uh, but you know, since we do 3d printing and no, you cannot print a gun at do space. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's just going to be an interesting read on many, many levels. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Now that we're on the 3D print, ha um, what was one of the coolest things that somebody's ever printed at the uh, library? Uh, so we do print a lot of fidget spinners. I, I will be honest with that. Uh, <laughs> so we, we've got a couple different levels of 3D printing. We've got kind of on the low end, we've got a couple Da Vinci Juniors that people can check out and just kind of, you know, pay for the filament and, and off they go. Um, we have a TAS-5, so kind of higher-end hobbyist level. With, it would take different types of filaments, things like that. Again, you can just book time on that one and uh, just pay for the filament used. Uh, we have a resin-based printer, uh, which we've gotten some mixed results with. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a much harder technology to use. But then we've got two industrial-level printers, a U-print and a Dimension. And in those cases, people submit their files to us. We do the printing. Um, and then they pay for the materials used. Um, in that case, we can print things with moving parts. We can print really complicated objects with those. Probably the most interesting one was actually one of the early ones we did the first Christmas we were open was a uh, semi, a life-sized semi-atrophied brain um, for a medical instructor at uh, one of the local college campuses. Uh, that was an 86-hour print. Uh, it's kind of like watching paint dry at a certain level. And uh, we started it on Christmas Eve and we shut down for a day and crossed our fingers that it worked and it did. It was, it was beautiful. I think that was wow. one of the most interesting uh, prints we've done. So do, do patrons pay for materials that they use within the, within the library? Yes. Okay. So the only charges we have uh, at this time are for consumables. So paper okay. for paper printing and plastic for 3D printing and, yep. or resin as the case may be. So yeah, everything other than that is completely free. Wow. That's great. Awesome. awesome. Well, Michael, thank you so much for, you know, spending a few minutes with us today and talking to us about do space. It's been great learning a little bit more about what you guys do out there. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I mean, I would encourage everybody to check out the website. We just did lots of new version about two weeks ago at dospace.org. Um, and uh, I, I will say we, we are unique. Uh, the, the, there is only one. We are in a very special place with our funding. I want to stress that. Um, you know, it, people are like, how'd you pull it off? I'm like, well, first, get a lot of money, uh, which is, you know, kind of <laughs> a hard part, to be completely honest. Uh, but then I also want to give out a shout out to our staff. Um, I, I mean, our staff are amazing. 
we've done user surveys, we've done community surveys, and our staff have always been the highest ranked positive of the DSpace experience. Uh, they they work their butts off to to do what they can to help everybody out, and um, we couldn't do it without them and our volunteers. Also, I mean, we we couldn't be open ninety hours a week without some volunteers. Nice. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for another uh, session of the library is open. Thank you, Nate. Thank you, Michael, for joining us today. I hope you both have a great day.